Caitlin Hoyt, at Caitlin Hoyt on Instagram, is as much in love with art as she is with nature. Yet, she didn't pursue either, at least not consciously. Instead, her passion subjects found their way back to her and helped her shape her life. Join us today as we talk about the truth about the so-called talent, how to efficiently retain knowledge, what to do when you're just getting started with art, and tips on layering with gouache. Want to be part of the show? Then send in your questions or topics you'd like to see covered to our email at hello at etrelab.com. If you send us an audio recording, we might include it in the episode. Hi, I'm Anya, and this is Make More Art, a podcast by Etra, meant to inspire you to keep on creating. Now let's hear from our guest. Caitlin, my first question for you is, in your Instagram profile, you say wildlife illustrator and nature enthusiast. What came first, the enthusiast for nature, because it's nature, or the art aspect of it? Um, it's that's kind of an interesting question because um, when I was younger, I was always very outdoorsy, and then I found I kind of drifted away from that as I got older, and then I just drew a lot, so it was very separate for me for a long time. And it actually wasn't until probably 2019 when I kind of rediscovered that love of nature and combined it with with art at the same time. So they kind of simultaneously. So, <laughs> in other words, you kind of always love nature. What made you, why did you stop being so outdoorsy? How old were you? Do you remember? Um, well, I moved to Edmonton, Alberta, which is like a big kind of industrial city uh, in Canada. And I moved there probably around maybe five years old. And I was there till maybe I was eight. And then, yeah, and then I just never really connected with it again. Or it wasn't, it wasn't at the forefront of my mind like it is now for sure. So was it when you moved out when you were about eight that you started going out so much? Yeah, it was like before that, like when I was like okay. very young, lived in like a, a wooded area. So I had access to a brook all the time. I was a really young kid. And then, yeah, I, I stepped away from it. I was still outdoorsy enough, but I wasn't like, oh, I need to go play with frogs like right now. <laughs> like I used to. <laughs> Yeah, I remember when I was a kid and I was playing with worms all the time and yeah. the other moms were, were like to my mom, like, why do you, what are you doing? Why do you let her play with worms? She's like, oh, come on. What's the worst thing? Like, let her play with worms. Just yeah. <sighs> let the kid be. Let yeah, playing with the kid like the funnest thing when you're five years old. <laughs> and when did you start with drawing? Um, I've always kind of drawn. Mm -hmm. Um. Yeah, I, since I was a really young kid, I drew a lot. I actually drew um, people for most of my life. Oh. So, again, that was kind of a weird switch. I have, I have kind of a weird story. So I want I, to know I, all about your witch. Tell me everything. Yeah, it's kind of unconventional. Um, so I started when I was really young. I used to draw, like, wolves and stuff. Wolves were, like, a crazy obsession of mine for, like, mm. a few years at least. And then I only drew people for, like, seven years and then a few years ago I'm like oh yeah I can draw animals again like that's that kind of connects nature and art for me so it was kind of like a, an aha moment even though it seems so obvious 
uh-uh. <laughs> the most obvious thing are only obvious when you when it clicks it might be obvious to anyone else but at least i think for us when we're doing them i mean it takes yeah. a long time for things to click it's not obvious to us that's why a, a, a circle of friends that understands us and what we like is so valuable because they can see things that are that we are blind to and they can help us point in the right direction um but yeah so it clicked for you can you more or less pinpoint the time in your life when you clicked art and nature together um yeah um for me the biggest um most memorable thing is probably when um i was at the University of New Brunswick, I was getting a degree. I was like a wellness-focused degree. And in my very last course of my last year of my university degree, uh, it was a mindfulness course. And for our last project, we had to uh, research the effects of art on mindfulness and like mental health. Wow. So, yeah, so it kind of, everything just kind of super clicked with me. And I was like, wow, like this makes sense. And then it combined my feeling of nature because for me nature was always this kind of like spiritual thing where it made me feel like okay I can finally relax mm-hmm. so and like having all of those pieces kind of fit together all of a sudden I was like okay wow like I need and I, I need to do something with this yeah wow yeah so now I have more questions I love this <laughs> okay so you always drew uh, you liked outdoors, and then later in college, you clicked two and two together, and your art became more focused on your love for nature, which is great. Now, you are studying wellness, so what's the story there? So you liked art as a kid, but you went to study wellness. Why and when did art become such a strong thing that you had to pursue it professionally? Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah, so... Uh, in high school, I was really into art, and I thought that's what I wanted to do for the rest of my life. And mm-hmm. um, and I actually did go to art school for one year, even though only half of it was even focused on art. But I did go for one year, and I didn't. I don't know if I didn't like the program or I was just like the realization of being a full time artist like mm-hmm. kind of screwed the crap out of me. So I was like, mm-hmm. oh my gosh, step away from this. So. Um, what had happened was at the end of that one year of school, I like gained a bunch of weight. So I, and I was like, okay, well now I need to work, work out and like get back into shape. And through that process, I kind of fell in love with health and fitness. So then different separate passion, completely separate passion kind of developed. And then it's just funny how, like, I don't know that it kind of, transgressed into wellness and then the, like the mental aspect of it came into into play eventually so it's all connected like I can see it looking back on my life like how every little piece kind of fits together but at the time you're just like oh my god my life is a mess like what's going on oh my god <laughs> I love that you're saying it like that because so many of us feel that way you know there's this archaic expectation of society from us that it's like you go to school to study everything, you decide what you like to do for your the rest of your life, then you pursue it in college because you're you're sure by then everyone is obvious obviously super sure that's what they want to do for a living, and then you finish that degree hopefully with good grades, and then you work on that for the rest of your life until you're very old, and then you're happy and you die a happy person. When in reality it's like I have no idea what I'm doing. 
oh my god i'm a kid that's fine i have no idea what i'm doing oh i'm a teenager that's kind of okay i have no idea what i'm doing i'm almost an adult that's kind of concerning the truth is no one has any freaking idea what they're doing their whole lives and we're all figuring it out oh my goodness and nothing is uh certain because like you said you went through a study, like what you were studying, you went through different paths until things clicked for you and put you in this direction. And by the way, you and no one, no one can tell the future. So you're this path now, but nothing will stop you from doing something else entirely in, you know, a year or 10 years. We don't know. Um, and like for myself, I, so I'm 30 now, but I studied graphic design after, uh, so in Portugal, when we go to high school, we pick a field and I picked arts, but I was afraid of living, like making a living out of being an artist because in here there's no jobs, like in most of the world. So I went to graphic design because that sounded like, you know, something that actually gets you a job. And I did the, yeah. <laughs> I did the whole degree and I liked it. I didn't love it, but I liked it. And then I started working on the field and I didn't like it as much. And if you ask me what I do today, I cannot put a label on it. I mean, well, I host a podcast for Etcher and I do like these live demos. Like I host the live demos for them and I help train the team. So in, in one way I'm like, so if you want to go corporate and like be like, I have a real job, I'll be like, oh, you know, I'm a, a team leader. Or something like that. That sounds really good. I'm an art director. Oh my God, that sounds really good. What in life it's like, I do, you know, a couple of things that I really love doing and I teach on the side and uh, it makes me happy and I'm making like art because I love it and that's it. And there's no label. And people are like, I'm sorry, lady. I do not understand exactly what is that you do. Poor you. There must be something wrong. It's so bad. <laughs> so, yeah. Um, I don't know where this rent came from, but uh, I'm I'm very much empathizing with you on that aspect that it's like no one knows what they're doing. And sometimes it feels like it's the right thing. And other times it feels like uh, we hope it will take us somewhere that it will feel right in the future. And that's more or less what happened for you. Things were clicking and you were just playing with the cards you were dealt and you just kept going. Oh, yeah. Just everything. It's. Um, like you'll have this impression of what you want to do in your mind, but you don't know until you actually go into practice, like with your graphic design, mm -hmm. you don't know how you actually feel about something until you're uh, applying your knowledge and in the field working. So it's, yeah, it takes a lot of trial and error for sure. Yeah. I once heard the story of a 50 something year old lady that told her husband she'd like to be a doctor, but she was too old. And her husband just said, would you rather be a 70 old lady who wishes she was a doctor or a 70 old later lady who's, who was a doctor, you know, and she did yeah. and she studied and she became a doctor. So that's like, that. that's amazing. Yeah. You're never too old. It's not, oh my God, let's not. Uh, okay. So back yeah. to your life. Um, so you studied wellness and just out of curiosity, so I can kind of link it with the art you're making. Um, what what do you study in wellness? Um, so my degree was kinesiology. Mm -hmm. And then there's like a subset of that degree where it's more humanities based. So there's different like streams within it. So I took this wellness stream. So basically it was preparing me to work in different health organizations that help the general public um, with, with their health, like mm -hmm. things like promoting fitness and, and healthy diet, things like that. That was what I was gearing up to do. Wow. So 
is it accurate to say that you want to help people live their lives to the fullest in a healthy way? Is that like something you were passionate about? Yeah, I think so. There's that's probably the the underlying theme behind everything. It's even with my art, I do um, I get a lot of fulfillment from teaching. So I think there must be some kind of correlation there. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that, that's what I was wondering because you're an amazing artist. And I'm always in love with your uh, bird paintings. And oh my God, like, you know, your anatomy for either birds or felines or anything. It's um, mind blowing to me. So now going back into the art a little bit, um, can you expand a little bit more on what you just said? So how, how is, where is this connection between uh, wellness and art? So what kind of impact does art leave on you and on the people that you teach? How is this all related, if that makes any sense? Um, I don't know. There is like definitely an element of learning that I, I really, really enjoy. Like I love studying and, and that's why I had to go back to school the second time because it was this, like I need to learn. I need to kind of expand my mind. And there is this thing with art where it's an infinite amount of knowledge you can gain it's like this this just unending well that you can dip into so that's been just a huge source of um intrigue for me i guess just wanting to know how deep that well goes and how much skill i can gain from that and then um with teaching um i find that actually helps me as well like it helps me kind of retain the things that i'm learning so it's definitely a mutually beneficial experience But then I also like seeing that click in other people when they draw something and it's like, oh, yeah, like I, I get what you're trying to say. That's the most rewarding thing. It's just the same as me drawing and, and it clicking for me. I can relate. I, I feel the yeah. same when I teach. It's just like, oh, yes, I was able to positively impact someone's life that day so yeah. much better. <laughs> ah, I love that feeling. Um, and I love what you said about teaching, helping, retain knowledge. Um, I was reading this book. I forgot what book it was. And it was talking about how when you have to explain something to someone else, something you know, but you have to vocalize it, the two parts of your brain, the limbic system and the other one that I forgot the name, have to contact with each other. So mm -hmm. a part of your brain, one is responsible for emotion and the other one is responsible for language. And when you have to convey something you know deeply that, that you know it, it connects to you, if you don't if you don't word it, it's connected to you in an emotional level. You understand it, and that's emotion. You just don't know how to voice it. So when you have to explain it to someone else, the emotional part of your brain needs to connect with the logical part of your brain, so you can put words on the emotion. Hey. And that when that that's when it clicks, and it makes a lot of sense for you because the struggle that you have to go to vocalize something you're experiencing, it's what uh, does what you were saying that helps you retain the knowledge and um, get that, you know, at an intrinsic level, which I find yeah. fascinating. Yeah, that's that makes so much sense. It is so helpful to actually try and explain what, and I use that technique even when I was studying at university. So it's funny how that interlaps too. <laughs> And uh, now let's uh, be like super geeky about the art. So piggybacking on teaching, you will be doing a live demo with us uh, this coming February 
16th? Yep. Uh, what will you be doing for this live demo? Um, yeah, so basically I'm going to be um, teaching people how to look at reference images mm -hmm. and then kind of translate onto their paper. Mm -hmm. So very basic skills of um, just building your observation, basically. And then I'm going to also be giving them some uh, like basic construction tips to help them um, understand the anatomy at a very basic level. And then, um, yeah, and then I'm going to be teaching them how to use like interesting uh, line work and things like that to kind of bring that drawing to life and make it more interesting. Because, you know, it's, I don't know, I like to, to stylize my drawings a little bit. And I think a lot of people seem to resonate with that. They want it to look a little bit different than the photograph. So that's what I'm going for. <laughs> that's, that's amazing uh, because when you're stylizing a drawing, what goes through your brain when you're trying to stylize a drawing from a reference photo? Um, for me, I really focus on shapes. I want to find the biggest, most interesting shape. And an interesting shape is kind of a vague thing that I, I don't know how to describe necessarily, but because um, I like geometric or like more organic flowy shapes, just whatever is speaking to me in that photograph, I want to exaggerate that just like a, a caricaturist would like with someone's portrait, mm -hmm. but just being able to take those main features and um, emphasize them in such a way that it, it draws the interest, it exaggerates that interest. So um, yeah, with shapes or with different marks and the different textures, like how do you simplify a texture? Mm -hmm. um, I find that really interesting. And you will be showing exactly how you did that in this live demo, so I'm very excited for that. Um, what materials will we be using for the live demo? Um, we will just be using some plain old pencils or pens, any kind of drawing materials, super basic, probably have it at home already. Awesome, good. So it's <laughs> totally focused on drawing and building an image from reference. This is really cool and uh, it's something that all of us need no matter the experience level because, you know, it's back to fundamentals again. So uh, piggybacking on that, you're a really good drawer and painter. <laughs> Thank you. And. I'm assuming that came with a lot of practice and study. Yeah. Oh, there's, yeah. <laughs> a, there's a lot of talk about fundamentals and what those are, or man, I can draw this, so I'm not good at drawing, when maybe the secret, that, like, the secret that is not so secret is practice, 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 practice. So what are your thoughts on that? Oh, yeah. I because <laughs> yeah, I've been in person. Like, that's the first thing I will rant on, is this people thinking that they're not talented so that they're just never able to draw when really it's just a matter of you know dedicating yourself and getting past that initial hump of like feeling really uncomfortable and really awkward and clunky because you've never done this before and that you know that would come with literally any new skill it's just for me it comes a little bit easier because i did it since i was a kid so that awkward phase came just a little bit earlier so I, maybe you don't remember it as much but you know it would have happened and I still experience that like every day. I don't, it doesn't always come easy. So it's um, learning to be comfortable with being uncomfortable for sure. And just taking it day by day, being very consistent. And, and I know people hate to say, or hate to hear like, oh yeah, you've got to practice to get good at something. They want like some kind of secret, but it, it really is just daily, you know, focused practice, practice and, and then you'll get hang of it. <laughs> then... What you're saying is when someone feels like they were not cut out for drawing, that's part of the process. It's not a complete, 
you know, like you're out of it. You're like, you can't do it. No, it's like, oh, congratulations. You realize how hard this is. You're one step closer to being able to doing this. Yeah. And it's, you know, it's, it's overwhelming at first because there's so much to kind of comprehend, especially like something like drawing, there's anatomy, there's like how you hold your pencil, there's perspective, yada, 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 all those fundamentals. And I get why somebody coming in for the first time would feel totally intimidated and want to like back off from that. So hopefully with this class, um, I can kind of ease them in a little bit with like the basic drawing. You can learn how to draw before you paint if you're doing like subjective type painting. So that's hopefully that will help people kind of overcome that initial kind of weird awkward phase. That makes a lot of sense. It's like, oh, I want to learn how to play piano. So give me the music sheets for a Beethoven symphony so I can start practicing. And it's yeah. like, actually, no, John Caitlin for her live demo. And instead of, you know, going through the boring of just learning the scales or music theory, which is like the best way to kill someone's love for music when they, they haven't even started. She's so like, oh, you want to learn how to draw? Then just study anatomy and then we'll talk. Uh, so instead yeah. of going through that, that is extremely boring and will take you the joy out of art making, and we want the exact opposite, we want this to be fun, then join Caitlin February 16th, and you will be playing like Itsy Bitsy Spider, maybe, if I'm going <laughs> to do a metaphor with some music. Uh, this will be fun. Any... I know you work with different mediums. What is your favorite? Um, right now it's probably gouache, which is like an opaque watercolor for anyone who's not familiar with that. Um, it's funny because I don't like watercolor. Like I, for some reason, the transparency kind of messes with my head and I can't, that's why like, I, I really like acrylic too. That's probably my number two. And that's, um, oh, well, I guess we'll be doing another class with that, but we can cut that out. <laughs> no, no, no. It's like, it's here. It's a promise. We should be doing a gouache or something after after this, yeah. we will have you back, Caitlin. Yes, for sure. I'd love to do gouache too. I get a lot of people asking about gouache because it's kind of a really misunderstood medium, but it, it's very, very interesting. Good. And uh, can you talk a little bit about the biggest struggles you faced when painting with gouache and how you overcame those? Yeah. Um, so because gouache can be used either transparently or opaquely, so like if I wanted to water it down and use it transparently or if I wanted to use it straight out of the tube and have it be more of a opaque finish. Um, there is this balancing act you need to find between knowing when to let the light areas be the whiteness of the paper mm -hmm. versus white areas be the mixed white paint. Mm -hmm. If you mm -hmm. there's that like knowing when to be transparent, when to be opaque is and like then also uh, how to layer properly because obviously the colors are water soluble so they'll lift if you if you add too many layers or if you add too too thickly right away so there is a definite learning curve <laughs> how did you overcome those struggles how did you learn i mean is there any highlights that you can share with us um yeah there's some a basic technique where they call it um um Oh, what's the consistency? Anyway, you just go really, really light and then you gradually get thicker with the paint as you go along. So what I've done recently, I just kind of figured out is if I outline my sketch with the opaque gouache paint, then it kind of sets that tone in my mind, like, okay, now I need to go this opaque. And so it's it's really about finding 
um, like what our natural tendencies are as artists mm -hmm. and then kind of catering to that mm -hmm. in a way that um, kind of gets us help with our bad habits. Yeah. You know what I mean? We all have bad habits as artists. Like mm -hmm. you need to try to find a way to kind of shortcut those and, and prop up the things that really um, enjoy when we work. Smart. Yeah, when I was... <laughs> before I, I draw a lot with um, pens or br like ink brush and um, before that I use a lot of pencils and I was like doing like very uh, quick lines but at the same time very uh, short lines and going over and over and over and then I'm like okay I have to stop this I'm noodling everything I'm just gonna grab a pen and I'm just gonna make a mark and if it doesn't work it doesn't work so that gave me the confidence to make bold marks and it was working. And then later I realized that I was just doing bold marks on top of each other and, and then and just like building them and building them. And I was noodling in a different way. So I'm like, what is wrong with me? I always find a way to noodle everything. So I just changed again the kind of from graphic pen, I changed to a brush. And yeah. uh, I think I, for now, I overcame that for now. I'm sure my brain will find a way to noodle ever. Oh my God. It's like, yeah. I, I do it, and then when I'm about to get my hand on, on the drawing, I'm like, stop, stop, just don't, don't touch it, don't touch it, the shape is clear, you're not gonna add anything, just move on, stop noodling, and get it's all finding those, those bad habits, it really is, and that's something, like, the more you draw, and more you paint, like, you see that more clearly as you go on, for sure. Good, now I'm curious about our audience's bad habits and I will ask about that uh I'm, I'm gonna I'm gonna add a call to action at the end for that now I want to know what you find that is annoying and how you try to overcome it and if you didn't let's find out solutions this is gonna be fun okay before we wrap up do you have any last words you'd like to leave us oh my goodness um yeah I would love to see you at my workshop that would be great and um it's been so nice chatting with you and kind of talking through my experiences a little bit. Um, I know my, my story is kind of all over the place, so it's helpful to try and create a kind of linear thing with that. So Most artists don't do linear. When we're meant to go into art making, we end up there. Yeah. And I find these stories amazing and so enriching. I'm sorry, what were you saying? Oh, just saying like it works out that way. Like when you're meant to do something it's kind of recalling you do find it one way or another eventually like it's it just has a way exactly. <laughs> life finds a way <laughs> and hey uh to you listening to this if you love art but you have another kind of job that's totally fine if you're you know a hobbyist instead of being professional artist that's not the point i don't you know being an artist is great no matter if you're a hobbyist or if you're a professional as long as you make time for what you love and what you love is art that's what matters yeah 100% what are your other passions is there something else that you love as much as you love art and have you found a way to bring it to your artistic journey please tell us your stories in the comment section of the post associated with this episode at etrlab.com forward slash hoyt. That's E-T-C-H-R-L-A-B.com forward slash H-O-Y-T. Or if you're watching this on YouTube, simply let us know in the comment section below. If you're enjoying the podcast, please help us keep the show alive. 
you can subscribe and give us a five-star rating and review on Apple Podcasts at etcherlab.com forward slash go forward slash Apple. Or if you're more of a YouTube viewer, please make sure to subscribe to our channel and ring the bell to get notified about our most recent videos. Sharing is caring and every little bit helps. Thank you so much and I'll see you next time. Until then, let's make more art.